passages of Scripture. We're going to be in the Bible. In the Bible. All right, we're going to begin reading at verse number 23, and we're going to read all the way down to the end of this chapter, verse number 37. So I'll read quickly, you follow along quickly, and I'll pray, and then you can quickly sit down. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hear the truth, <laughs> Hugh, <laughs> excuse me, not pew, but Hugh. Hugh, <laughs> hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the uh, <clears throat> tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King. And they shall drive thee from men into a dwelling, shall be with beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen. They shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Whereas the commandment to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shall have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king... Let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. So at the end of the twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon, the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdoms of the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen. Seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat the grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And the king of the day, or pardon me, and at the end of the day, 
I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed at nothing. He hath according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What dost thou? At that same time my reason returned unto me. For the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and the brightness returned unto me. And my counsel and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in, the, in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> you have your outline there. We're not going to give you any review of what we talked about Wednesday night. We're going to jump right into what we need to talk about tonight so that we can have an understanding of what's going on. So, you might as well just flip your notes over to the other side. And focus in on uh, what you see there under capital B, the vision interpreted by Daniel. And you'll notice that the interpretation of the vision involves God's peace that will be multiplied upon the earth. And God <clears throat> is the Prince of Peace. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me just for a moment over to Isaiah chapter 9. And notice in verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Amen. Now watch this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, Nebuchadnezzar got a hint of this. He found out that he's not the one in charge. It's God that's in charge, and he's nothing more than a servant of God. And God humbled him in such a way, and God was able to reveal to him in God's way what this is all about. And he understood that his kingdom was only a representation of the kingdoms that are to come. And he understood at the end of those kingdoms, God is going to establish his kingdom. Amen. And he understood that through the watcher that comes down, that he would establish peace. What we see that's interesting here in this passage is what we see in verse number one. 
In verse number one, Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. He understood that there's only one that could do that, and that's Almighty God. And what is interesting is we understand that through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, peace has been multiplied unto us. And we understand that the blessed hope gives us a peace of mind that passeth all understanding, keeps our hearts and minds and our souls in any time of trial because we know that we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory because the victory's already been won. And God is going to establish His kingdom and it's going to be a kingdom of peace and it's going to be forevermore. And what we read in 1 Peter chapter 1 is identical to what Nebuchadnezzar said. We read in verse number 2, Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galicia, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of spirit, unto obedience, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. We see that again in Peter's salutation in chapter, uh, or chapter one in Second Peter, verse number or not, yeah, you know, chapter one, verse one or two. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtain like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. The Apostle Paul, just about in every one of his salutations, he declares that we are going to have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's interesting that Nebuchadnezzar in his testimonies, he's writing unto us, he writes and says, peace be multiplied unto you. Well, only God can give us that peace. Man cannot give us that peace. We cannot find peace within our hearts until we have peace with God. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And Jesus Christ said, I give unto you peace. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. The world cannot give you the peace that God gives. And that peace that the Lord Jesus Christ gives unto us is multiplied unto us. And so we read that the watcher came down along with the angel and gave to Nebuchadnezzar the understanding of what he was going to go through. So Nebuchadnezzar, here is a picture of that which the Lord is bringing the message to you and I of how God is going to eventually bring peace on earth. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he understood this. He understood how that God is able to do that. We read in the Verse number 25 through verse number 26, and this is an interesting read, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat the grass of oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. Seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And give it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, 
And after that, thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Now, there's some interesting things going on here. First of all, as we understand with the beast of the field, what is the beast of the field? And did you notice it's not beast singular, it's beast plural. The beasts are in representation of what we see over in Revelation, or excuse me, not Revelation, but in Daniel chapter 7, you may want to look there as we look at these beasts of the field. In Daniel chapter 7, we begin reading at verse number 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. The first beast was like a lion, and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till they until it was, now watch this, lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now we understand that this beast here is in representation to Nebuchadnezzar and to the kingdom of Babylon. And behold, another beast, second like to a bear, and it was raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And so now we move to the Medes and the Persians, one side higher than the other side. The Persian Empire greater than the meeting of the Mede Empire. And so they stood up. And then we read in verse number 6, And after this, I lo, and another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and a dominion was given unto it. Remember Alexander the Great, and when he was fallen, there were four kings that came up. There were the four commanders after Alexander the Great was killed in battle. And then in verse number 7, after this, I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast. Now we get to the Roman Empire. Dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. Now remember we saw where the iron and the brass are mixed together. And so eventually we get down to where we're at today. And it devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. We see that over in Revelation chapter 18, Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 13. We know what those ten horns represent. The last days, 
in the revived Roman Empire and the confederation of ten nations. And we see those ten horns. What do those ten horns do? They give their sovereignty over to one little horn. And so as we read on, And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Those three nations come together unified, and they become a very mighty nation, and they give all their sovereignty over to that one horn, that one little horn. We might refer to that as the trilateral commission, where we have the United States and Canada and Europe all involved in this one movement. What's interesting is how we're seeing all this unplayed before our very eyes. And there may be a little horn behind the scenes right now calling all the shots. May be responsible for this pandemic. May be responsible for everyone becoming complicit. May be responsible for shutting down our churches and what they're doing in Canada and other places in the world. Which, which is much more rigorous than what's going on here. And eventually it's going to happen here as it's going on in the rest of the world. I don't know if you could see it, but I mean, I'm not delusional. I believe the Lord has given us an understanding. Knowledge is being poured out in our day. And the Bible says, It was plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. In Revelation 13, the little horn speaks great things and goes into the temple of God and blasphemes God. Now notice the field. The field represents the world. And these are beasts that are reigning over the world. What's interesting is that God gave as many visions and dreams to Nebuchadnezzar as he did to Daniel. Kind of hard to understand. Such an evil and wicked man, and yet the Lord would do that. But you know, if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell, wouldn't we? And the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he talked about all the various sins that go on in the world, including that of men with men. And he said, and such were some of you, but you are washed and you are cleansed through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Nebuchadnezzar, while he's being humbled out there in the field, and he's growing the feathers of eagles, and then God raises him up, and once again he stands as a man, God is reminding him that his kingdom will be established, and it will be brought down again, and then reestablished, and it will be destroyed forever. And the reason God will destroy it forever is because God will bring an end to the time of the Gentiles. And the Lord Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom and he will reign forever. We don't have time to go over and look at all of that in Romans chapter 11, but it's there in case you want to read about it. Now the stump, with the roots remaining in the stump. I think most of you know that there are many trees when you cut them down, if you don't cut out the stump of the roots, they grow back. And so here's one that's going to grow back. Now what's interesting about this stump is what we read over in 
Jeremiah. We may want to take our Bibles and turn there. So let's turn there for a moment. I want you to notice First Jeremiah chapter 51 in verse number 12. In verse number 12, he says, Set up the standard upon the walls of Babylon and make the watch strong. Set up the watchmen, prepare the ambushes, for the Lord hath both devised and done that which he spake against the inhabitants of Babylon. O thou that dwellest among many waters, abundant treasures, thine end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. The Lord of hosts hath sworn by himself, saying, Surely I will fill thee with men, as with caterpillars, and they shall lift up a shout against thee. He had made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom. He has stretched out the heavens by his understanding. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh the lightning with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Every man is brutish by his own knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven images. For his molded images is falsehood. And there is no breath in them. They are vanity, the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. God makes it very clear. This goes far beyond the destruction of Babylon in his day. The day of Nebuchadnezzar. The day of his father and his grandson, Belshazzar. And this reaches into our day and time where Babylon is once again being reestablished, where the nations are coming together. And once again, we see Babylon standing up, these nations coming together. And God makes it very clear in these latter days, God is going to destroy Babylon. I want you to notice what we read over in Jeremiah, verse number 53 of chapter 51. Jeremiah 51, verse number 53. Again, he says in verse number 52, Wherefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will do judgment upon her graven images. And through all her land, the, wonder, the wounded shall groan. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the heights of her strength, yet from me shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. In verse number 60, we read, as Jeremiah wrote in his book, all the evil that should come upon Babylon, even all these words that are written against Babylon. And Jeremiah said to Sarai, when thou comest to Babylon, and shall see, and shall read all these words, then shall thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place, to cut it that none should remain in it, neither man nor beast, but that it should be a desolation forever, or a desolate forever. And it shall be when thou hast made an end of reading this book, that thou shalt bind a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates. 
And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her. They shall be weary, thus far are, thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Now what is interesting is what we read over in Revelation chapter 18. In Revelation chapter 18, God makes promise that this Babylon will be destroyed. And we are living in that day and time. In Revelation chapter 17, he says that she is the great whore. We read in verse number 1, Revelation 17. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now remember, she has worshipped all the images and all the gods of the past. And today, she has exalted herself to the place to where she sits as a queen. And the Bible says in verse number 2, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made themselves drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. Oh, that beast, my friend, is that last beast that we read about full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and has a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore did thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman, and of the beast that carrieth her, which had the seven heads and the ten horns, the beast that thou sawest was, is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Babylon, Babylon was, and is not, and will ascend. And the Bible says, and they shall dwell on the earth, shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. And there is in the mind which hath wisdom the seven heads and the seven mountains on which the woman sat. And some believe that's Rome. Others believe that that is Jerusalem. Jerusalem has seven mountains. The Antichrist will not reign from Rome. He reigns from Jerusalem. He makes a peace treaty with Israel. He reigns from the capital of Jerusalem. He goes into the temple and he declares in the temple that he is God. And he calls everyone to receive his name. And the name of his prophet. And the name of the great dragon, Satan. 
And those that refuse to receive his name and the number 666 and is put in the forehead or in the palm of the hand. The Bible says in Revelation 13 that this great dragon that has put the death that becomes a man and stands before everybody and goes into the temple, he comes up out of the ocean that represents the sea of humanity. And he rules the world. I don't know if you can see what's going on here, but we can see the world coming together, globally connected. We can see right now with the digital currency on the rise. Headline news later, this, or later last week, it talks about how the federal government right now is working with the World Bank to bring about digital currency and completely doing away with cash so that they can better track what you're spending. Our president has just signed an executive order to where now the federal government can watch what you spend after you spend more than $600 in cash. All of this is just coming upon us, and it's coming on us very quickly because the Lord is coming quickly. And we see what's going on in Israel. See what's going on in Taiwan as it stands up against that great giant from the east called China. The Bible mentions China, how China comes in out of, crosses the Euphrates with 200 million soldiers. How that Russia comes down from the north, and we know what's going on with Russia. All these things are playing a part. Israel's in the land. All of this is happening. Now what we see is quite interesting is what we read over in Revelation chapter 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down, verse number 1 from Revelation 18, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. That's the church being raptured out. We are going to be taken out before God brings judgment upon her. That you may not be partakers of her sins. That ye receive not her plagues. Amen. Amen. For her sins have reached unto heaven. And God had remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you. And a double unto her. Double according to her works. In the cup which she had filled. Filled to her double. How much she had glorified herself. And lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she has saith, she saith in her heart, I sit a queen. And I'm no widow. And shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. 
death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. In Zechariah says, wow, she's burned with fire, she will stand, and in just a moment, a twinkling of an eye, her eyes will be burned from her eye sockets. You know, that kind of gives us an idea that there's going to be some kind of an explosion. Amen. It may not be nuclear, it may be divine explosion. And God's got more nuclear in one breath than what all the world put together may have. But God had made promise that this judgment would come. And I believe that Nebuchadnezzar was given a glimpse of all of this. Nebuchadnezzar understood that this was all coming. It's interesting that God says throughout this passage of Scripture, as he reveals to Nebuchadnezzar what is going to go on in the future, Nebuchadnezzar sees that it has a beautiful ending. He can see that at the end of seven times, God is setting up a kingdom. Those seven times represent God's seventh day. Those seven times, by all Bible scholars that know anything about the interpretation of this passage, will tell you that this is in reference to seven years, and those seven years are in reference to the seven days that God created the heavens and the earth. We read something interesting. I want you to take your Bible and look over in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his works which God created and made. The Bible says as God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, there comes a rest for the people of God. We need to understand that one day with the Lord, and maybe we ought to take our Bibles and turn there because maybe you don't, uh, <clears throat> uh, you don't believe me. Well, maybe you'll believe what the Bible says. So let's go over here and look at what it says over here in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, I got, I got to turn over here. I have a paper clip in my way of 2 Peter. And so it's keeping me from getting there. So you'll just have to wait on me as I get over there. I'm right now in First Peter, but I'm getting there. I'm almost there. There we are. The Bible says in verse number 3 of Second Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking out their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, or of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. They're willingly ignorant of that. They refuse to believe it. When you find fossils of freshwater fish on top of the mountains 
and on the edges of the Grand Canyon, and you find fossils of uh, seawater creatures in the Badlands, it kind of gives you an idea that one time there was a world flood. And yet they are willingly ignorant of that. They just refuse to understand that. They don't understand that there was a world that once was. When they drilled for oil, all that vegetation, all those animals, and the billions of people that were killed, uh, they've solidified, and that's where we get our oil, that's where we get our petroleum from. And so all of this happened, and there was a flood, and it's there, the evidence, evidence is there, but they refuse to believe it. They refuse to, because they believe the lie. You say a lie long enough and people start believing, even smart people. And so that's the devil. He's the father of lies. And so we read in verse number 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now look at verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness. But it's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holiness and conversation of godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? Amen. He's coming. Amen. Now what's interesting, if you'll go back and read in Genesis chapter 2, when God created the first day, at the end of that day, He said the evening and the morning were the first day. At the end of the second day, he said the evening and the morning were the third day. He says that all the way to the sixth day. But when we get to the seventh day, there is no evening, there is no morning. Why is there no evening and there is no morning? Because it goes on forever and ever and ever. It fits right into Revelation 21 and 22. Where there'll be no evening, there'll be no more, no more morning. It'll be one eternal day. You see, Nebuchadnezzar saw that. And that's why he could say, peace be multiplied unto you. He understood what God was revealing to him. We are given a hint of that. And we strive for that. God gave the children of Israel opportunity to enter into that rest. Before that seventh day. But he knew they wouldn't. He knew that they would reject their king. He came on the fourth day. He came on the fourth day. But Israel refused to receive him. But he had a greater plan. Amen. And that was to go to the cross and die for all of us. So three days later. We could all spend eternity with him. Amen. Who put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice over here in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, and we're done. Hebrews chapter 4, let us therefore fear lest 
a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. I don't want to miss out on that promise, do you? I don't want to miss out on that day of rest. You see, the, the day of unrest is the lake of fire. And that goes on forever and ever too. You don't want to go to that day. For unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, they just didn't want to believe. For we which have believed do enter into the rest, as he said. You know, let me just stop there for a moment. When a person dies, they at that moment enter into his rest. Did you know that cemetery means rest? So when you die, your body is put to rest. If you know Jesus Christ, your soul ascends up into heaven and it is put to rest in Jesus Christ. And then one day he raises up your body in the cemetery, that means a place of rest, and it's raptured up and you will forever be with the Lord. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, neither place is a place of rest. Lazarus lifted up his eyes after his body was buried and he was in torment. Now, notice as we read on here in verse number 3, if they shall enter into my rest, God's rest is that millennial rest, or pardon me, a millennial rest that takes us to the eternal rest. You see, everyone that goes into the millennial rest that knows Jesus Christ enters into the doorway of an eternal rest that goes on forever and ever. Revelation chapter 20 gives to us that thousand-year rest. Revelation 21 and 22, for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, continue on into the eternal rest. And so we look for that day. It's going to be a beautiful day because God is going to come down and God is going to reign among mortal men and there are going to be immortal beings that are going to reign along with them. We're going to be the immortal beings. Our immortal souls, because of Jesus Christ, will be reunited with immortal bodies, and we will live in a place of immortality with the Lord forever and ever, beginning in the millennium. Actually, beginning seven years before the millennium, if He raptures us out today. Amen! Amen. So he says in verse number four, he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. The some are those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a whole host of people that's already entered into it. You see, that's why he says, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. Because they've already entered into that rest. And there are still some that's going to enter in. By rapture! We're going out. And boy, it's going to be exciting. Nebuchadnezzar got a glimpse of all of this. And that's why he could write, Peace be multiplied unto you. Because 
he starts off understanding that there are gods, and he ends up knowing that there is only one true and living God. Amen. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word. How exciting it is to know that we are living in the final days just before you start preparing for that day of rest. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the faith to understand these words. And Lord, we understand because you have given to us this, the anointing of your spirit. Thank you for opening our eyes and thank you for helping us to see what you would have us to see through these scriptures. To know that we are living that day where knowledge has increased, where we're living in a day and time where people are traveling to and fro, and the Lord Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Lord, we know that the urgency is greater than ever. We know that all through the church age, there has been the understanding of your imminent return. But now we're living at that time and place where all things are now fixed, all things are now ready, and all things are coming on us very quickly. May we be quick to get our lives in tune with you if there's anything keeping us from drawing closer to you. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people say it. Amen. Amen.